I love those moments. Often I find when I'm on my own, but I love those moments when Father or Jesus or Holy Spirit just gives you a little glimpse of something different about him. <laughs> just brings me on my knees again, you know. And I, wow, that's God, that's what he's like. I don't believe that God would ever want us to live on yesterday's understanding or, or years ago's understanding. He's, it's, it's a relationship. You know, you, you get to know your best friends by getting new glimpses of them every day, and that's what it should be like. I love that. I love the way that God does that. Yeah, he whom the Son sets free is free indeed. Amen. Is that right? Amen. Thank you, Phil. You brought that song earlier on. He whom the Son sets free is free indeed. I love to see people walking in freedom in Jesus. Nothing like that. I, I just love it. I, it's what God wants for us, and it's what we're made to be like, walking in freedom and liberty. I just want to sow a few seeds of freedom this morning. That's sort of my plan. I believe that what, that's what God wants me to do. Uh, we will be done. We're back on to 12.15, okay? <laughs> I've got nearly half an hour, but I'm not, I don't think I'm going to take half an hour. Uh, I'm still used to 20 minutes, which is probably good discipline. So. <laughs> John 14, verse 27 says this, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you, not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. John fourteen twenty seven. I was checking my notes last evening. Um, I, it was, I can't remember when it was. It was last year. I think it was about a year ago. I, I shared about the sort of Hebrew concept of peace and shalom. And I just wanted to take literally two minutes just to recap because when Jesus was using the word peace, he was using it in the context of a Hebrew understanding of peace. And if you look in the concordances, which, which I did, that, that's really what they're saying is, it, I mean, the Greek word is not shalom, obviously, because that's Hebrew, <laughs> fairly obvious. But, but Jesus' understanding of peace was, um, was shalom, meaning total well-being, And in our sort of, I was going to say Western, probably the correct term, first world sort of thinking is peace is the absence of conflict, which it is, but it's far more than that. Peace, peace, what Jesus was talking about, was total well-being, which is so much more, so much more. The, the, The concept of peace includes health, prosperity, and peace of mind. And it's interesting how the, actually in, in, in some of the, the sphere I move in, in, in business, the word well-being has come to be, to be understood and, and is a word that's being bandied around in business about well-being. And phrases like mindfulness have, have arisen of late, which um, I'm not entirely convinced is helpful. Um, I mean, I like the concept, but not necessarily the suggestion of how it's done, but... Um, but but well-being is very much a, 
a godly, spiritual, it's not even a concept, it's, it's, a, it's a way of life. It's an understanding of life. And when Jesus said, peace I live with you, that's what he had in mind. Not as the world gives do I give you. See, the world cannot give that sort of peace. It can give absence of conflict, although it doesn't seem to be doing very well at that at the moment. But it can give absence of conflict, but it cannot give total well-being. Only Jesus can do that. That's why I could say, do not let your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. Because that's what he had in mind. And I, I love this. I can't remember where I got this from, but I'm going to read it again because I do love this, this, um, this statement. Uh, peace, the universal flourishing wholeness and delight. A rich state of affairs in which natural needs are satisfied and natural gifts fruitfully employed. That's actually really important. Because total well-being is not just in the sense of provision, it's also about that provision being employed fruitfully. Which can be in a work setting, it could be in a, you know, in a family setting, it could be in a home setting, it doesn't matter the setting, but it's, it's that shalom being worked out. A state of affairs that inspires joyful wonder as its creator and saviour opens doors and welcomes the creatures in whom he delights. That's a, sort of, that's a definition of shalom. So it's, you see, it's not just a matter, and this was something that, that the Jews understood well and probably still do, I'm not sure, but that well-being is not just an individual well-being, it's a collective well-being. And one of the words I think we, we miss, not misuse, we misunderstand in the first world is that it's often I and not we. You know, that's why a lot of the Psalms, some Psalms are I, but a lot of the Psalms are about the congregation and about we, which of course was the people of Israel. And in that sense, that's the church's mission. That's the big church, the global Catholic, well, I won't say Catholic, but that's what it means. The, the universal church, that's its mission, is to see total well-being in every form and, and manifestation of life. It's what you would call transformation. That's the church's mission. That's why Jesus told us to heal the sick, raise the dead, cast out demons, you know, and so on and so forth. Because what you're doing is bringing total well-being. Uh, the word sozo is salvation, meaning total well-being. It's about provision. It's about tackling injustices. It's all of those things. That's what Jesus meant when he said, he whom the Son sets free is free indeed. And I like this, um, I, I'm starting to read 1 Timothy, and 1 Timothy 1 verse 2 says this. This was Paul writing to Timothy, his, his spiritual son. Okay, He says, You are like a son to me, Timothy, a true spiritual son in the faith. It's a nice intro, isn't it? I decree over your life today abundant grace, mercy, and total well-being, from God the Father and Jesus Christ the Anointed One. I thought I liked that declaration. So why don't we say it over each other? I haven't got it on the screen, I'm sorry, I didn't have time. But I'll, I'll, I'll read you a phrase at a time 
And perhaps you can turn to somebody because you're declaring some good things here, okay? Whoever it might be, and if you need to get up and walk and find them, that's fine. I won't say you're like a son to me, Timothy, because that's not appropriate. But the next bit is, <laughs> okay, I decree over your life today. Abundant grace, mercy, and total well-being from God. The Father and Jesus, the Anointed One. Yes, amen. Now receive it. Receive it. It's important to receive. Brian mentioned this verse a couple of weeks ago, two or three weeks ago, I think it was. John, this was another. This is another introduction to a letter. It's amazing what you get out of introductions to letters. The first two verses, you often think, well, that's sort of, you know, we just write, dear Fred. <laughs> But they didn't, because they wanted to really bring blessing and, and uh, encouragement. And this is, what, this is what John writes to the beloved Gaius, in who, whom I love in truth. Beloved, I pray that you may prosper in all things and be in health, just as your soul prospers. That's, a love, that's another great confession and declaration. And I just want to bring out a couple of sort of contexts and, and some of, the, some of the, the lies that we so easily believe. That, that, that obviously Gaius had, under, had got through, or maybe, maybe he'd never learned in the first place. The word prosper in the Greek literally means to help on one's way. Which is actually, I, I think, yeah, it is good. I, I actually like that. Because it's, it, first of all, it does one really important thing. In, again, I'm talking here first world culture. The word prosper and prosperity is mi- totally misunderstood to, to be the thinking of it all to do with money and wealth. Biblically, it's not. It's a part of total well-being. It's not ignoring those, those aspects, but it is setting it in balance that it's far more than just what so many people think of prosperity. And actually, unfortunately, what a number of churches have thought of as prosperity. See... I think that we misalign and misunderstood what God longs for us if we only consider prosperity to be wealth and money. Um, Matthew 6 came up this morning. You've only got to Matthew chapter 6 in your... <laughs> I'm not surprised. There's Matthew 6... Well, the, the, what we call the Sermon on the Mount is full of, of little treasures and, and here's another one I'm just going to take you through this okay just, just think about this do not lay up for yourselves sorry Matthew 16 verse 19 16 19 do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal 
Where was their moth and rust in Israel? They must have had rain or moisture somewhere. So there we go. (laughs) But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust destroys, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And I paused and thought about this when I was preparing. And I did a little... Well, I did a little sews on myself, actually, which is good to do. First of all, I thought, what did Jesus mean by lay up? Do not lay up or store your treasures on earth, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven. Because I think this can be—I think this can be misunderstood as well. Because you can go to the other extreme, which is you become. Um, you, be, you deliberately live a life of, of paupership which some people have done as well you become sort of completely withdrawn you know clothe yourselves in goat skin and eat blackberries and <laughs> whatever <laughs> yes okay I think lay up treasures or store it's more to do with not putting to effective use or, um, or hoarding for the, for the purpose other than the value of what the, the, the commodity was about. Because you see, I don't think, I mean you can disagree with me if you wish, I don't think that Jesus had, had any intention of saying to us, don't save or don't save for your pension. Because you could argue that saving for over 40 years for a pension is laying up treasures on earth. I think that's called stewardship, called good stewardship. And Jesus never actually had a problem with money. He had a problem with the love of money. I'll come on to that in a moment. I mean, I'm now talking about money. I realize that having said prosperity is is not but it's but it actually helps us to understand and put in balance what some of prosperity actually is then I thought well what does it mean <laughs> to lay up treasures in heaven and I've puzzled on this one I still am I haven't got the answer particularly what does it mean to lay up treasures in heaven well I think I think where I am it means investing in heaven's businesses and activity in heaven's culture and purposes. Because it's very interesting, it was only a few verses earlier, that's the way it's recorded, where Jesus prayed the prayer that we call the Lord's Prayer, let your, let your kingdom come, let your will be done on earth as it's done in heaven, which we know about. So if we're laying up treasures in heaven, then actually we're investing in heaven's purposes and investing in seeing heaven come to earth. So I think that's laying up treasures in heaven. So it's, it's all sorts of things. It's prayer. It's, it's serving one another. It's serving the community. It's actually it's using our well-being to produce a good effect. Next question I asked, I've done this out of order really, but I thought, hang on a minute, what is my treasure? And 
I thought, okay, I'm going to ask Jesus, Jesus, what's my treasure? And I got an answer, which I'm not going to tell you. <laughs> because I think it is actually personal. Not that I have a problem sharing it, it's just, you know, that's... And I thought, do you know what, I'm going to ask you to do that now, this morning, each of you. Just for a moment. You may not get an answer. But I think it's really important that we know what our treasure is. Because, see, if you go to it again, it's not that Jesus said you shouldn't have treasure. What he said was, do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth, but lay up your treasures in heaven. That means we have treasures. He gives us treasures to lay up. The point is, where are we laying them up? Okay, so that's, that's sort of the context. I believe you've got treasures, you've got dreams, you've got vision, you've got whatever God has given you as treasures. How are you going to invest them? You're going to invest them on the stock market. Well, actually, if you have a pension, you do anyway. So when the Chinese economy goes the way it's gone, our pensions get hit. Well, that's just the way it is. When you invest in heavenly business, it's not like that. So here's a question. What's your treasure? Why don't you just... We well, don't need to close your eyes, but just... Just be very aware of God's presence. We've been there, so you should still be. Be very aware of God's presence. And just say, you might want to address Father, you might want to address Jesus, you might want to address Holy Spirit, but I, I addressed Jesus, that's just the way I did. So I said, Jesus, what's my treasure? So why don't you just ask him, just whether you say that loud or whatever, Jesus, what's my treasure? And just see what what he says or, or shows you. It might be a picture, it might be a feeling, it might be people, who knows. I'll stop you there because I need to move on some of you will have seen something or received something some of you won't yet take it home you can always do that at home it's important we know what our treasure is okay if you need some help just ask, ask somebody ask some, one of the ministry team or one of the elders or, or life group leader whatever just, just a bit of help okay Jesus went on, verse 24, No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will be loyal to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. Therefore I say to you, do not worry about your life, 
What will you eat or what you will drink, nor about your body what you will put on? He just tells you to put things on, by the way. (laughs) Is not life more than food and body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air, for they neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than these? That's actually, you know, some people have a real value issue. And that's a lovely phrase. You know, Jesus values us. Father values us. So why do you worry about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. And yet I say to you that even Solomon in all of his glory was arrayed like one of these. Now if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is, tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore do not worry, saying, What shall we eat, what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For after all these things the Gentiles seek, for your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. Okay, let's just stop there. We need to settle in our hearts that God knows what our needs are. Again, he's not against, well, he's not against us. Then he's not against what we need. He's not against us having food and drink and clothing and provision. That's what Jesus said. Uh, you know, your father knows you need these things. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things shall be added to you. So it's the context, you see. What do you put first? It's the same as what Jesus was saying earlier. Where's your treasure? Is it, is it invested in earth or invested in heaven? Here he puts it a different way. Seek first the kingdom and his righteousness and all these things shall be added to you. Now there are two, I'm just going to touch on these and I'm done because I knew I wouldn't have time to, to deal with it all and that's fine. There are two what I would call ungodly lies that we easily embrace. One is a poverty mindset and the other is mammon. Jesus, actually Jesus in, in all of the, this context talks about both. Um, C.S. Lewis in the book Mere Christianity writes this. The devil always sends errors into the world in pairs. Pair of opposites. And he always encourages us to spend a lot of time thinking which is the worst. You see why, of course, he relies on your extra dislike of the one error to draw you gradually into the opposite one. But do you know, sorry, but do not let us be fooled. We have to keep our eyes on the goal and go straight through between the errors. (laughs) We have no other concern other than that, sorry, no other concern than that with either of them. Straight, straight line through between the errors and I think we have these two potential errors poverty mindset says it, it, it sort of brings a culture and a, and a mindset whereby we, we have a perspective of lack or loss or the sort of expectation that things will not work out well Or even that in your inner being, in your heart, you don't comprehend that God wants you to be blessed and to prosper. 
They're all sort of hallmarks and some others as well. But sometimes it can be the way we've been brought up, the way we've been influenced. Sometimes it can be experiences of life. But they, they have a potential to hold us in, in a mindset that does not bring us true freedom. The other one is mammon. Now, mammon is slightly more complex, but I'll, I'll give you a definition. Mammon is the personification of wealth and money. Um, in, in other words, we place our trust in it and it becomes an idol. We, in other words, we worship it. Now, that's the context where Jesus said you cannot serve God and mammon because you're, you worship one or you worship the other. <laughs> you do see people. I, um, I, I've, I've seen, occasionally I will see people, sometimes in the business arena, where... Um, money, wealth and power is the most, their most valuable thing it's what drives them in fact it's what makes them burn out because they're driven by the, by the pursuit of wealth and money and they get to the point really, well, because they're not, they're not functioning as God designed them to function and in the end their bodies well, whatever, give out um, I've, I've spoken a long time ago but I remember speaking with um, an investment banker who said he knows that he cannot go beyond 35 because that will be his limit that was a number of years ago uh, I mean arguably what, I then, what he then said is well actually at 35 I will essentially stop working or stop earning but I will still work but he, he was considering it, that would be a complete change of lifestyle because you know that was that was what he saw. It's all about the accumulation of wealth and the worship of of wealth. So those are two extremes. We can be we can be stuck in a poverty mentality or in a in a mammon mentality. Both of which hold us and stop us reaching our freedom, and actually stop us reaching our well-being, because they're controlling, mastering influences that we have to break. Now, I, I think most of us, if I don't know you all, I think most of us are not in the grip of either. But it's a question to ask ourselves. There's two, there's, there's one little tool that is coming. Jackie Allison will know, or maybe you don't know. But, uh, financial sozos. Um, it's a sozo with a financial element. Now, it, it, it could be that they could be helpful. Um, they can be very helpful in just breaking some of these mindsets and cultures and, and so on. Uh, it, 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 they can be easy, easily broken with a, with a heart that's open. But it's like I started with this morning, right at the very start. I love to see people in freedom. He whom the sun sets free is free indeed. I want you all to be moving, working, and living in freedom. So, if you know, if a financial sozo would help, actually, a sozo would probably help. But if a financial sozo would help, that would be great. And if you want, you know, if you're interested, why don't you just come and at least see me to start with, and then I'll relate 
lies with Alison and, and Jackie. The other thing uh, which I will just flag at this point, and something I'm, I'm considering about for, next, for the winter, is a Prosper Soul course, or a school, the Prosper Soul. It has been run here. Uh, when was it? No. 2012? 13? 2011, was it? Cool. Yeah, I've run it since then, but it was last year. I did run it last year, yeah. But if that's something that interests you, it won't be this. It won't be this side of Christmas. It will probably be next side of Christmas. But next side of Christmas, <laughs> you know what I mean. After Christmas, <laughs> um, and we'll, we'll, you know, if, if we, if we as elders decide to do that, then we'll we'll flag it, and you'll be able to, to to come on. But it's a great course that just brings that sense of freedom. In actual fact, if you do the course, you have a financial sozo. So. Could have asked 12, how about that? Look at that, brilliant. <laughs> My notes have ended. So blessed, there may be people that would, you know, would value some, some prayer, and that's great. We, we're always willing to do that, the way a ministry team here this morning. Uh, so, bless you guys. Have a good day. Have a good old bank holiday weekend as well. Thank you.